Praise the Lord, everybody. Amen. Praise the Lord. Let's praise him one more time together. And lift up our voices and clap our hands to the Lord. Amen. So good to be back with my friends and who we are counting as family right now. Uh, this church, this great church, and of course your pastor and sister Tryon for all that they do for us. I'm going to do something a little bit different tonight, if that's all right with you. Not like you have much of a choice because I'm already set to do it, but I'm just kind of hoping that you'll be okay with it. Um, I originally was going to have everybody kind of get in these first two rows or sections of seats, but uh, this is an amazing turnout on a Friday night here, and probably one of the best I remember. Um, and so what I really want to do is I'm going to go back to my roots of coming here to this church. I was originally invited here, I think, in 2007 or 2008 to do youth revivals. And we did a three-day, uh, three or four-day youth revivals, and we did that consecutive like three or four years. And so tonight I feel like God wants to reach to everybody, but uh, I really want to talk to the young people in this, this building here tonight as well. And so if you're, if you're from the age of eight years old to 18, let me see your hands. Eight years old to 18, Brother Tryon, come on. I've learned that anytime I go out with my dear pastor, that I can get free ice cream. <laughs> and I'll leave it there. Some of you know what I'm talking about. So 8 to 18, let me see your hands. Madison, I see you there. 8 to 18, I want all you guys to come up in these first two rows. I'm going to kick you guys right out. Come sit right I need you to help me out, though. Sit right here in the, this side row. If you're 8 to 18, you can stay up here. Whatever you feel. 8 to 18, I want you in the two front rows. Now, I want this. I don't want anybody. I don't want anybody. I guess what would you call this in the third quadrant or the, the third one? So either I want you to come in to these first two sections or the next section there that where Pastor Tryon is. And so that means Jess and Sister Marie. I want you guys to squeeze in just a little bit tighter in some of these rows here. Uh, 8 to 18, I want you to come on and stay up front. Amen. Amen. I just it helps. It will help me out. Not every church that I preach in is as large as this. And so it'll help me to stay focused on my, my audience. But I thank you. Let's all stand right now. We're going to go into the word of the Lord. But I want to bring some jokes. Does anybody know what Laffy Taffy is? Yeah. Come on now. Don't act like you don't know what Laffy Taffy is. Now, I probably had said some of these here. Young lady, how old are you? Yes, you. You're what, 20? 20, I said eight, 8 to 20, didn't I? Get over here. I'm preaching all over you. Amen. So Sister Jess and Marie, they're making their way over. You make your way over, young lady. Squeeze over by pastor. Amen. And so Laffy Taffy, over the last 10 years, I have gathered some of my top Laffy Taffy jokes. Are you ready for them? Come on. I said, are you ready for them? Do you? My top Laffy Taffy jokes, if you know them, just shout it out to me, all right? What kind of bear has no teeth? Come on, a gummy bear. Man, he's quick on it. What are the strongest days of the week? Saturday and Sunday, because all the other ones are a weekday. Why, why was the tomato blushing? Because he saw the salad dressing. 
What do you call a cow with no legs? Ground beef. What do you call a cow with two legs? Lean beef. How do you fix a broken jack-o'-lantern? You use a pumpkin patch. Come on now. You guys are slow on me tonight. I love this one. This one, oh, this one's cool too. What's brown and sticky? A stick. That's right, man. You know, I love this one. This is one of my favorites. What do you call a sleepwalking nun? My wife's heard that one before. A Roman Catholic. <laughs> and this one, everybody's going to look at me, at least the young ones, and they'll be like, what are you talking about? How do you get down from an elephant? You don't. You get down from a goose. <laughs> Whatever. Obviously, you all don't look or eat Laffy Taffy that much. And then lastly, or, or lastly, this is one of my favorites. How do you turn soup into gold? No, you, you add 24 carrots. Whatever. The, the word of the Lord speaks to us in the book of Genesis chapter 32, beginning with verse 22. And it reads like this. And he, he here is Jacob. He rose up that night and he took his two sons, or excuse me, took his two wives and his two women servants and his 11 sons and passed over the brook, the ford Jabbok. And he took them and he sent them over the brook and he sent over that he had. And watch this verse 24 of Genesis chapter 32 says, And Jacob was left alone and there wrestled a man with him until the breaking of day. And when he saw that he prevailed not against him, he touched the hollow of his thigh and the hollow of Jacob's thigh was out of joint as he wrestled with him and he said let me go for the day breaketh and he said I will not let thee go except thou bless me and he said unto him what is thy name and he said Jacob and he said thy name shall be called no more Jacob but Israel for as a prince thou hast power with God and with man and hast everybody say it with me prevailed and Jacob asked him and said what is thy name tell me I pray thee thy name and he said wherefore is it that thou dost ask after my name and he blessed them there him there and Jacob called the place of or the name of that place excuse me Peniel for I have seen God face to face and my life is prevailed preserved verse 24 and Jacob was left there alone and there wrestled a man with him unto the breaking of the day and the man said let me go because the day breaketh and he said I am not going to let you go and he said tell me thy name and he said it was Jacob and the man replies and said you will no more be called Jacob but Israel, because you hath 
prevailed. Amen. I want to preach to you with the help of God for just a moment about the wrestling match of a lifetime. The wrestling match of a lifetime. Would you set your Bibles down and would you lift your hands to the Lord? Young people, I want you to dig deep tonight and I want you to reach after the things of God in your life. Mighty Jesus, come on, lift up your voice right now. We love you and we magnify you, Lord, from the youngest Lord that's here to the very oldest that's here. I'm asking that your spirit would sweep into this place, God. I believe that there is life-changing power in the presence and in the house of God tonight. Come on, would you lift up your voice, my friends. Come on, push yourself. Uh, cry out to God right now. Lord, touch uh, my life, God. I'm hungry for you, Lord. I desire after you tonight. Uh, I wish that everybody would lift your hands, and I wish that everybody would shake yourself for just a moment. Lord, uh, I pray that you would anoint me tonight, Lord, to speak above uh, my own abilities and speak above, Lord, uh, my own capabilities. Recall things to my mind tonight, and let me be free, God, here in this pulpit. Lord, we reach for the heavens tonight. Uh, we reach for the will of God in our lives. We reach to the throne of God, Lord. Uh, let us be connected to uh, eternal power right now. Let us be connected to your very word and uh, your very throne, Jesus. Uh, I pray tonight that there will be a person that, Lord, will grab a hold of you and won't let go, God, until something uh, begins to change in their life. I pray, God, that somebody will take this moment and will begin to get serious about their walk with God, to get serious, God, about their ministry, and will reach after you until you change them. And I pray this, I pray this in the mighty name of Jesus. Would you clap your hands to God as you're seated tonight? <clears throat> Amen. In 1996, at the National Wrestling Coaches Association All-Star Classic, uh, the stage was set and the people were on cue to witness a wrestling match of a lifetime. This wrestling match was dubbed as the greatest college wrestling match ever when undefeated and number one ranked Kerry Kulat of Lock Haven, Pennsylvania stepped onto the mat against number two and undefeated Mark Ironside of Iowa. Every time the commentators spoke of Kerry Kulat, the number one contender, they spoke of his powerful presence on the mat. Kerry Kulat had not suffered a single loss that entire year, and every one of his wins came from first period pins. Kerry Kolot was later named the best high school wrestler in the past 20 years by RevWrestling.com as he had a record of 137 wins and zero losses. I can proudly say tonight with a smile on my face that he was from Lock Haven, Pennsylvania, a town that is just about 40 minutes west of where I live right now. But I can say this, that he placed twice at the prestigious Midlands Championships. And in college, Kerry Colott went on to become a four-time NCAA All-American and a two-time NCAA champion while wrestling for both Penn State and Lock Haven. After college, this young man went on to have great success, and he was dubbed as the greatest wrestler of all time without winning an Olympic gold medal. This is 
for seven long minutes, but yet seven very short minutes, who Mark Ironside of uh, Iowa found himself up against uh, that they the match started off quick and powerful, just as uh, everyone expected. Kulak came out of the gate strong uh, and powerful, and in the first 30 seconds of the first period, uh, he scored two points against uh, Ironside. Both of the competitors now were, were watching every move, acting and counteracting as their opponent would try to get the advantage of them. And so determined Ironside, though, was not left without answers as he scored one point from an escape and then another's. But by the third and the final period of this wrestling match of a lifetime, those that had placed the betting odds, those that had said it's going to be Kerry Kulat that's going to come out with his hands on top. It seemed as if uh, they were right because Ironside found himself in a six uh, to two deficit uh, in the third and in the final period. Amen. Uh, so I want to take just a moment and I want to make a disclaimer here. Uh, determination and a will to fight will go uh, a very, very long way in a person's life. Did you hear what I'm saying? Uh, a determination and a will to fight uh, will take us further than anyone expects us to ever go. Amen. Ironside had stayed in the game longer than anybody else had that entire year and now Ironside of Iowa began to make a comeback assault off the restart following an escape making it 6-3 to three in the third and the final period. His assault continued and he scored a two point heel pick takedown. Kulat escaped and now the score in the final period was 7 to five. Looking back, Ironside said over the match, uh, it was at this very point where he said this, uh, he could feel Kerry Kulat of Pennsylvania break. Uh, he could feel his strength uh, begin to diminish. He could feel his his will get weaker and weaker. The momentum now began to shift in this college wrestling match as number one ranked Clary Kulop began to break and Ironside scored another takedown, making it seven to seven. Kulop then escaped, making it eight to seven. And now with 18 seconds on the clock left, Ironside knew as he was under by one point that if he was going to make something happen, he better make it happen right now. And so he began to fight. He began to press. Uh, and now he found himself in an opportunity to score another two-point takedown. Amen. The crowds uh, went crazy. The, the noise went from uh, almost a silence to now they were at deafening uh, levels as uh, the number two ranked Ironside hung on in this battle of a lifetime uh, to secure a win. While looking back over this moment, while looking back over this one wrestling match, it was this very wrestling match that made Ironside who he was. Ironside had to dig deeper than he ever did. And it was this match that he would later recall 20 years later and say it was that one wrestling match uh, that gave him his notoriety. It was uh, just that one wrestling match of a lifetime that later changed his career forever. And so as a reader 
of this epic wrestling match 20 years ago. I, for one, am amazed uh, at this fact, uh, how that one wrestling match of a lifetime uh, has the ability to change uh, who you are forever. That just one wrestling match of a lifetime for Ironside uh, would now be the wrestling match. It would now be the final seven minutes uh, that would define who he was uh, and take him to where he needed to go in life. And although tonight, I don't know how many of us can really relate to a wrestling match, and I don't know how many of us has ever went onto a mat and strapped up in our spandex and put our headgear on. I never have. Uh, and although most of us might not be able to relate to uh, that kind of a wrestling match in high school or college, uh, I believe tonight that each and every one of us uh, are able to relate to a wrestling match of a lifetime uh, where we can recall an underdog uh, coming from behind a massive deficit uh, to secure the victory and come out on top uh, with his hands uh, raised. Over the years, there have been many of wrestling matches that has went the distance, and there have been many of underdogs that have come behind from a deficit to topple over the number one ranked contender. But perhaps there has never quite been a wrestling match like the one recorded uh, as the underdog Jacob uh, steps onto the mat with God himself. Uh, and the underdog Jacob begins to tie up uh, and lock arms uh, with God. In our opening scripture text, uh, we find the man Jacob in a panic as word comes to him that his brother Esau and 400 men are on their way to meet Jacob. The last time Jacob had seen his brother Esau was the day that he deceived his father and he stole his brother's birthright. And so he ran and fled. Almost two decades now have passed and Jacob had fled from Esau's face. And the news is coming that the very brother who he had deceived, the very brother who he had robbed his birthright from was now coming to meet him with four hundred men. We can capture Jacob's panic when he captures this word in, in Genesis chapter 32, beginning with verse 11, where Jacob is found crying out to God, saying, Deliver me, I pray thee, from the hand of my brother and from the hand of Esau, for I fear him, lest he will come and smite me and the mother with their children, knowing that he had just a short time before now he would face his, uh, his brother that was angry. The last time he saw them, uh, Jacob's crafty nature begins to kick in and he divides his family up into two bands. He begins to send, uh, as it were, gifts to his brothers and sending camels and donkeys uh, and presents. And he began to divide his family up into droves uh, to try to split up the damage if Jacob or Esau was in fact going to handle them with anger. That night, though, the Bible said that he caused his entire family to pass over the ford of Jabbok, but there he stayed on the other side, and he was left uh, alone. It wasn't really recorded in Scripture how long Jacob was left uh, by himself, but the Bible lets us know that at some point in time uh, in that night that a man uh, came to Jacob, and therefore they began to wrestle. In fact, the Bible says that they began to wrestle even until the breaking of 
the day. Looking back tonight as we have uh, young kids and young youth and adults alike, uh, as we read this scripture and we begin to analyze and look back over the candidates uh, on on the visiting team uh, in the blue trunks, you have God. uh, But from the home team in the red trunks, uh, you have uh, Jacob. Uh, Jacob here is listed as the underdog and his resume lists him as this, uh, as a heel grabber and a supplanter from his birth. Uh, Jacob is listed as taking advantage of his brother, robbing him, uh, waiting until he was a sure victim uh, and then deceiving uh, what was really not intended for him to have. Uh, Jacob is listed as the man who outwitted his father Laban uh, in a match of deception and now he was unable to even meet his brother Esau without that crafty, uh, that deceptive nature kicking in to try to deceive and to manipulate uh, the situation uh, and on the other side in the blue you had God and what should have been a wrestling match as God took one finger and pins Jacob down we read of an underdog Jacob coming from behind a deficit uh, and securing uh, a win in a wrestling match uh, of a lifetime. Uh, On multiple accounts, it would seem like God could have just uh, suffocated and pinned the underdog. Uh, Heel grabber one, uh, supplanter two, uh, master manipulator. But before the ref could call the match, uh, we read in this word uh, where the underdog was able to grab a hold uh, of this man and hang on with an uncanny uh, endurance uh, heel grabber one uh, thief uh, two uh, dishonest but before the ref could call the match uh, we see this man Jacob uh, locking arms with God uh, and refusing to give up uh, the fight an attempt to weaken his opponent. We read that this man, uh, this man, I know that this man in the Bible is uh, is noted as several different things, but yet when this wrestling match was over, he named the place uh, that he wrestled, and he said, I have seen God face to face. And so whatever it was, uh, Jacob understood this to be God himself uh, fighting with him. An attempt to weaken his opponent. The Bible says this man reached out uh, and touched Jacob's hip, shrinking the sinew on his hip and dislocating it. Now Jacob had a limp in his walk, but as I have said before, that determination and a will to fight will take somebody a very, very long way. Even with a dislocated hip, we read that that wasn't enough to cause this underdog to give up. And much like Ironside versus Coolot in our opening analogy, this man Jacob was able to hang on longer than what anybody would think a man could hang on with God. Amen. The crowds, if you were, were on their feet, cheering at deafening levels. It was down to the final seconds of this wrestling match. And in a weakened, in a desperate breaking, the man said this, let me go because the day breaketh. And here is the reply of an underdog. Here is the reply of a man that needed something in his life. And he said, I will not let you go. I will not let my hands off of you. I will not slow down my momentum to keep you until you bless me. Man said, what is your name? And he said, Jacob. And the man said, 
No longer shall you be called Jacob because as a prince uh, you will be called Israel because you have power with God and with man. And now this young underdog, uh, this man that had a resume that was against him, uh, was able to come out on top with his hands raised uh, as a man that had prevailed in a wrestling match uh, of a lifetime. And hear me, from this moment forward, because of this one wrestling match of a lifetime, this man would later walk uh, as a totally different man. This man would recall as he hobbled upon his cane or his, uh, his rod, uh, he would be able to tell generations to come, uh, Granddaddy, why are you limping uh, on your hip? Uh, because there was a day that I had a determination in my spirit. Uh, there was a day that I had a fight within me uh, where I learned how to wrap my hands around God, if you would, uh, and I refused to let go until God did something uh, in my life. I'm baffled tonight. I'm baffled tonight how this story of an underdog such as Jacob could wrestle toe-to-toe with God and prevail. What seems to be a match that would only last for a few seconds turned out to be the wrestling match of a lifetime. And tonight, as I look back over this story, young people here, Brother Aaron, for just a moment If you've checked out, check in for just two minutes. Uh, As I look back over this story, and I try to glean from this, uh, this is what I see, that even though Jacob was guilty on so many accounts, uh, his character was flawed, uh, his character was marred, uh, but yet this man Jacob was able to find God's Achilles heel, if you would. Uh, This man Jacob was able to wrestle and hang on with God uh, and prevail longer than he should have. Uh, And I asked myself tonight, what caused uh, this man Jacob to hang on uh, with an uncanny endurance? Uh, What would cause such a man to be able to lock arms with God uh, and not let go until God did something uh, in his life? Where did this determination uh, and where did this fight come from in this man Jacob? Brother Aaron's going to try to answer that for you tonight for each and every one of us. I'll tell you where I feel that determination and will to fight came from. Are you ready? Come on, are you ready? The determination and the will to fight came whenever he got news that his brother Esau was approaching him. Because when he heard that Esau was approaching him, I believe it reminded him of the man that was in the mirror. I believe that it reminded him that everything he had gotten up until life, uh, he did so with a crafty, deceptive uh, nature. That everything that he got until life uh, was because he was a heel grabber and a supplanter. Amen. And something happened that night, uh, that that night to Jacob as he heard that his brother came. uh, And something, I believe, happened to him where he said, you know what, Uh, I no longer want to be the man that I I am, but I've got to learn to become the man that God has called me to be. I don't want to be a heel grabber anymore. I don't want to be a supplanter anymore. I don't want to be a thief anymore, but I've got to be who God has called me to be. 
And the truth of the matter is this, is uh, we might not be able to relate to Jacob or relate to a high school wrestling match or a a college wrestling match, but I believe uh, that each and every one of us are able to relate to this man Jacob uh, in that uncanny wrestling in his spirit uh, that said, I no longer want to be the man that I am, uh, but I've got to be who God uh, has called me to be. And maybe tonight, if I was to wrap this up, and I'm almost done here tonight, uh, but maybe the lesson that Brother Aaron learns uh, from this story is that uh, God does, in fact, have uh, a weakness, that God does, in fact, have uh, an Achilles heel, and that weakness comes uh, when a man or a woman, uh, when a youth or an older adult, uh, they will step into a ring with God, uh, and they will lock arms with God, uh, and they will refuse to let go uh, until God does something in their life uh, and until God changes them uh, from the man that they are to the man that God's called them to be. What is often overlooked about this man, Jacob, is that in spite uh, of his character flaws and in spite of his weaknesses, uh, in spite of his shortcomings and his failures, uh, that Jacob had a desire to be pleasing to God. And it's not necessarily noticed uh, until this particular part of Scripture, but I believe this Scripture right here reveals to us uh, Jacob's true heart uh, that I do want to be close to God, uh, and I do want to have a walk with God, uh, and I do want to be pleasing in my relationship with God, uh, and therefore I'm willing to lock arms with God until he does something in my life. Multiple occasions I've asked God, God, I'm going to get a little personal here for just a moment. God, why have you been so merciful to me? Why? When I've been guilty of things that other people have done and it caused them to lose everything. Why, God? I remember God began to take me on a little journey to the man David. David was a man after God's own heart, the word declares. There was something about David that almost, and, and this is an analogy of a, a daughter or a daughter and her daddy, but it almost was like God, David had God wrapped around his finger in a sense. We can't control God, and I know that, but it was when David began to pray, there was something that connected him with God, and yet David was a murderer. David was one that was an adulterous man. David was a man that cheated. David was a man that was lifted up in pride and arrogance as he numbered the people, but yet at the end of his career, if you would, at the end of his walk with God, he still went down in the pages of this word as a man that was after God's own heart, a man that had God's attention And I wondered why. And as you look at the life of David, uh, you will begin to see this fact uh, that when David was guilty uh, and when David was flawed and when David had inconsistencies and uh, David had shortcomings, uh, you would find as David would find a place in the presence of God, uh, you would find as David would fall to his knees and begin to write, uh, create in me, O God, a clean heart uh, and renew within me a right spirit. Uh, Don't cast me away from my presence uh, and don't take Take your Holy Spirit from me. There was something about this man, David, uh, that said, I don't want to be this guy. Uh, I don't want to be the manipulator. I don't want to be the cheater. I don't want to be the murderer. God, you got to do something uh, in my life. Uh, And he would lock arms with God uh, until God 
did something for this man. Sister Jess, join me. I remember, I remember in eighth grade, I got introduced to some highly addictive stuff from my friends. Being raised in church, I knew better. But yet the claw of sin gripped my heart in eighth grade. This addiction grew. This addiction got stronger. This addiction would overcome me for years as a young man, as a man that knew better. And I remember I would go to church on Sunday, and I would get connected as pastor began to preach. And I'd get connected to the spirit as I felt the spirit of God begin to move. And I would feel who God was calling me to be. I had a connection with the Holy Ghost. And I could see the man that God wanted me to be. But then I'd go back to school on Monday. And the same friends and the same addictions and the same garbage all of a sudden would come back to my face. And I would begin to relapse into the man who I really was. Wednesday would come and I'd feel the presence of God. And I would see see the man that God wanted me to be. Are you hearing Brother Aaron today? Uh, but then Thursday, Friday, and Saturday would come uh, and I would be reminded of the man that I was at. Uh, and, and this diction grew for year after year uh, until finally I realized I had gotten to a point uh, where if I don't do something about this addiction, uh, I'm going to lose everything. Uh, and it was that wrestling inside of myself uh, that reminded me of who I really was uh, that caused this uncanny endurance, uh, this uncanny will to fight uh, to go to a church camp one year uh, and go up to an altar uh, and begin to make a de declaration uh, that God I'm not going to let you go uh, until you help me break my addictions uh, God I'm not going to let you go uh, until you do something uh, in my life see I'm talking to some people right now that when you came to God, you were already fighting an uphill battle. Maybe because your mom and dad didn't live for God. Maybe because it wasn't your inheritance and you're a first generation Pentecostal. Maybe you're like me, a third, second, third generation Pentecostal. But somewhere along the lines, the, the hooks of sin and the addictions of the world gripped your heart. Uh, and you find yourself uh, coming to church week after week, uh, feeling who God wants you to be. Uh, but then going back home to the workplace and going back home to your home. Uh, and now you're reminded uh, of the weaknesses and the flaws and the man or woman that you really are. See, the truth of the matter is, is my dad at three years of age, my dad at three years of age was taken by his mother and handed over to a woman that said, I'm going to be your mama for now on because my grandma and my grandpa and my dad's side were drunks. All of their kids ended up leaving, having to go to orphanages. They just gave them up because they would rather serve alcohol and they would rather serve the life that the devil has to offer than serve God and do what's right. And so from three years age, that's my dad's first memory of his childhood was screaming and, and crying after his mom as she handed him to another woman. Now in a nursing home from three to 18, dad would experience all kinds of abuse. 
whatever abuse you could imagine, he experienced it. He was beaten. He was abused physically in other areas. And at 18 years old, when he left and had the ability to leave, he left. He found himself going to a bar every night, and there he would get drunk. There he began to play pool, and now he got wrapped up in the wrong crowd and the wrong people, and now he became addicted to drugs. And not only addicted to drugs, but he began to sell drugs. And it was at that point in time in Dad's life where it looked like uh, it looked like the devil was going to have his way. Just another victim in the casualty on its way to hell. It looked like the devil was going to win just yet another another life and another soul to eternity. But then my dad got busted for selling cocaine. And he was sentenced two to 20 years in, in, the, in the state prison. for. And it was at that moment when dad realized that I'm going to lose everything. That dad looked up to the heavens and said, God, if you are really there and you have a plan for my life, I'm asking you to show me that plan. Miraculously, he was only sitting to six months of parole in which time uh, he got his actions together and he went up to Marietta, Ohio where he met my mom, uh, the daughter of an apostolic preacher and six weeks later, don't advise this, but six weeks later they were married, amen. God filled my dad with the baptism of the Holy Ghost uh, and they just celebrated 37 years uh, of marriage. You say, why would you tell me that? I'll tell you why. Because as a young man that was raised by my father, there were some things that I had to overcome that was prone in my family, such as anger. You don't know this side about Brother Aaron. I know I'm making myself vulnerable to you. But I was a young man that dealt with suicidal tendencies as I was growing up. My 12th birthday, I got a shotgun. I remember one time I swallowed the barrel of that shotgun because I was so angry and I was so broken and I was so just wounded in my spirit as a kid. I thought I could manipulate things with anger. And I remember I would react out of anger and after I was done, I'd feel the, feel the part of a fool. I would feel so low. Let's all stand in this house today. I'd feel so tiny. I would wrestle with this anger that seemed to always overcome me. It seemed like I could never get out from the weight uh, of acting like my grandfather acted uh, and acting like my uncles and aunts acted. It felt like I was, uh, I was just stuck uh, in this mode uh, of anger until one day, I'm being honest with you, my dog Cooper, the old Cooper, I was wrestling with him and I threw a ball down and I went to reach it and he jumped down there and he snatched it out of my hand, uh, and he jumped up, uh, and Cooper has a ridge, a skull ridge on the top of his head like this tall, and that ridge busted me in the mouth. I thought I lost teeth. It put my lip, my teeth through my lip. I was bleeding, and when I did, all of a sudden, I saw myself doing something to Cooper that was not good, and it was at that moment, it was at that very moment, Brother Lewis and Pastor, where God spoke to me in the fit of my anger, and he said, Aaron, I can't use you if you're going to continually be this kind of man, and I went into my room, and I shut the door, and I began to pray from that moment forward, God, I don't want to be this man, I don't want to be the man that the world's going to do me to, I don't want to be just another statistic. 
think, uh, I don't want to be another casualty of the devil. You got to do something in my spirit uh, until I become uh, the man that you want me to become. I can't help but to feel tonight that there is a God-ordained wrestling mat right here. I know it's not been my net my my typical youth or, or revival message, but I felt felt and I asked God, Lord, as I, I go to Connecticut, I need you to speak to me, Lord. What about New Britain? And immediately God began to deal with my heart on this topic. Uh, and I prayed, well, God, it's more of a, a message that's geared for maybe even young people. But that's not necessarily the case. Uh, and I don't think it's a coincidence that there's more young people here tonight uh, than any other revival night or Friday night that I can remember. Young people, do you believe me that now's the time to move ahead in God? Uh, now's the time for you to get into a wrestling match with God. Uh, now's the time for you to get a determination in your spirit uh, then I'm going to find myself at an altar. I'm going to find myself uh, in the presence of God. Uh, and I'm going to lock up with God until he changes my life. When I'm reaching for a student, I'm reaching for a student who's tired of coming into church on a Sunday and a Wednesday and you get connected with a vein of the Holy Ghost and you get connected with the power of God and you begin to get a glimpse of an image of who God's really calling you to be but then you go out of these doors and you find yourself going back to your friends and you find yourself going back to the world and you find yourself going back to things that you know that you're not supposed to do and there's a wrestling and there's a tearing in your spirit between the man or woman that you are and the man or the woman that God's called you to be. I wonder if there would be a young person that would dare to step into the ring with God tonight and say from this moment forward, I'm going to grab a hold of you and I'm not going to let go until you do something. saints of God in here that you're above this age of 18. And as I begin to talk about me and the things I had to break that was prone or had or were tendencies in my family, I believe God began to quicken some of you. Some say generational cursing, generational tendencies. I feel like the Holy Ghost is beginning to speak to some people. I'm telling you, God can break the tendencies in your life. God can break if there is anything such as a cursing. God can help you to break that. But it's going to come when you get a determination in your spirit that I no longer want to be this way. I no longer want to fall prey to this. I no longer want this to be an ability that the devil can cause a stumbling block. I no longer want to be like this. God, I'm going to step into the ring and I'm going to lock arms and I will not let go until you help me break who I really am.
I wonder if all of us could begin to make our way to this altar right now. Come on, the Holy Ghost is drawn in a convicting way. I believe that this is the year that somebody can get a life change. I believe this is the year that somebody can lock arms with God until you become that person that God has called you to become. Come on, I'm reaching deep right now into the hearts of students. I'm reaching deep right now into the heart of every saint who's reaching and struggling between who you are and who God's called you to be. Sister Jess, sing right now. I'm asking you to be honest. I'm asking you to open your heart and your spirit right now and let the Holy Ghost lead you.